News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 68 of the Luke Messiah Show. Today, we are going to have a fantastic conversation with Cliff Maloney, who's the president and head of Young Americans for Liberty. Um, he runs that organization and has grown it substantially into what it is today. You're going to hear a little bit about what they do and what they've, um, how they've been helping the conservative and liberty movement across the nation. And so, uh, but, I, but I asked Cliff to come on today uh, to discuss specifically the reauthorization of um, the FISA court process at the national level. Um, I think Texas kind of had a unique um, seat in that discussion because Ted Cruz, uh, our more junior senator, voted uh, multiple times, in fact, three different occasions on three different occasions to reform the FISA court process. And our senior senator, John Cornyn, voted three times against um, reforming the FISA court process, all each time voting in favor of the government having more access to your information um, without your rights being protected along the way. And we're going to dig into all three of these amendments today. Young Americans for Liberty actually moved their headquarters to Austin, and so Cliff and I have gotten to know each other a little bit and uh, probably agree on this issue as you will hear us discuss this. So without further ado, I'm going to get you directly to the conversation with uh, Cliff Maloney. So today I am joined by uh, somebody who I consider a friend. I wouldn't say a good friend. Not, no offense to you, Cliff, but I feel like people in politics say good friend way too often. You know, when you meet all these people, oh, he's my good friend this, he's my good friend this. It's like a big pet peeve of mine. So I'm not going to call you a good friend. We'll have to have I don't know, some deeper, really deep interactions to where I'll use the word good friend. But a friend, Cliff Maloney, who is the president, CEO, head honcho, some call him a king, a rule maker, uh, the, the top of the food chain at Young Americans for Liberty. Cliff, thanks for uh, coming on with me today. I appreciate it, Luke. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, I always want to give uh, listeners an opportunity who don't know about Young Americans for Liberty, just to know a little bit about what your organization does. And why don't you tell people before that, um, give us kind of the brief synopsis of how you entered into the conservative slash liberty movement and what got you to where you are today. Yeah, so the short story goes like this. Uh, I got involved with Young Americans for Liberty on campus, and uh, back in 2014, I took a full-time job being a regional director, uh, helping to recruit students across uh, pretty much everything from Virginia up through Maine. Uh, 2015, Rand Paul scooped me up and uh, served as his national youth director. And then once Rand dropped out, I uh, got offered uh, a dream job uh, to be able to go out and recruit students and to be the head guy at YAL. Um, it's an interesting time, and uh, I'll, I'll kind of give your listeners and viewers uh, the, the, the rundown on YAL. You know, our tagline is to make liberty win. And so what we try to do is go out and engage college students, get them involved and really pull them back from the brink of socialism, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to get college students to realize that, guess what? Government is not the answer to all their problems. They're being taught that in a classroom, but we're on campus providing an alternative, an alternative of free markets, civil liberties, and peace. And this idea that, you know, government that is much smaller is, is going to be much better for, for maximum freedom. But once we've recruited all those students, the, the big thing we focus on at Young Americans for Liberty 
is we're trying to build a bench of new up and coming leaders across the country. We call them Liberty legislators. And so that's why it's been great to work with you, Luke, and a lot of these other patriots across the country that see the value in focusing in on state legislative races. Mm -hmm. Because over the last two years, since we've launched this program, we've won over 56 seats across the country. And uh, that's the goal. I mean, we're trying to build this youth army of kids that are excited about these principles, but then we're trying to take that energy and that passion and be as effective as possible. That's the word I want people to think about when they think about YAL, is being effective, taking that energy, and going out and starting to win state legislative races. So we have an infrastructure, much like the Democrats have done for the past 30 years, we're trying to build it. So I asked you to come on today um, <clears throat> to talk about the recent FISA reauthorization bill, right? And uh, so, you know, with this show, I try to, we talk about all sorts of stuff, but also uh, you spend quite a bit of time in Texas. I don't know if you're like, are you legally a Texan right now? Do we, even, do we want to tell people publicly, legally, what you are, what state you are? We won't go into those details. Let's just good. say I spend about I mean, 300. That's not very good, period. Just to spout that stuff out. My 300, 300 days on the road, but I'll tell you, we're, uh, we're very glad that we moved YAL from Virginia to Texas. Um, it's, uh, some people questioned uh, our move, and I'll tell you what, nobody's questioning it now. We'd, we'd much rather be in Texas than, uh, than up in Virginia. There you go. So, so y'all moved your, uh, your headquarters here to Austin and um, have been kind of ha having that as, as the home base. Um, so this is uh, one that I think Texas provides a specific parallel and a particular parallel just because our two senators are both Republicans, Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, and they uh, came down on very just different sides fundamentally on um, this issue. Now, I will say, I think they both voted to reauthorize it at the end of the day. Um, but there were kind of some of these key distinctions um, when it comes to privacy. Before we get into the specifics, because I want to go through some of the specifics with you and get your thoughts on them. Um, you know, how do you see just the, the FISA court, the reauthorization process? We've had a lot of discussion over the last several years about privacy. You know, the Patriot Act was enacted in 2001 and things have changed since 2001, right? The American people's perspective on um, this issue has changed. So tell me from your perspective and, and from Wiles' perspective, you know, how does this issue um, how do Americans see this issue? How does the normal person see this issue? How do you talk? Yeah, about so, so I think there's a battle brewing uh, in the country over this idea, not just of the role of government, but I think, you know, I think COVID-19 has kind of created a lot of people asking questions, right? What is the proper role of government? Now, this FISA and the privacy, to be fair, until it was used to, to kind of prop up this uh, hoax against the president and to spy on a presidential campaign, you know, it wasn't getting the traction that I would have liked for it to get. Um, and those of us that believe in civil liberties, it's, it's, it is kind of refreshing that, that finally it's becoming a conversation. And sometimes, you know, when government does bad things, we hate to say it, but guess what? It proves the point that we try to make that is you shouldn't trust government with power. And so I think this conversation, this is probably the most success we've had, I'd say, in the past six to 10 years in terms of trying to really get people to see that, look, after a crisis, most times government is reactionary, right? Like you said, after 9-11, we passed this Patriot Act and this idea that goes back hundreds, if not thousands of years, that you should have to get a warrant, that you should have to prove and get a judge to justify that you can spy or you can look into somebody. 
you know, we decided overnight, no, we ought to stop the bad guys. Mm. But the question and, and, and what we'll dive in on is who gets to decide who the bad guys are? Mm-hmm. And this is what I think a lot of people don't understand when their party is in charge, right? Us as Republicans, I mean, you know, yeah, sometimes we feel like we can sit back when Republicans are in charge. Democrats, you know, when Democrats are at the helm, they feel as if, oh, it doesn't matter because my guy's in charge. The reality is the Constitution and the Fourth Amendment make it extremely clear that you have a right to privacy. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of that is so that government is not able to use that to come after you. And there's plenty of ways to do that. I don't mean that they're going to you know, do something extremely egregious, yeah. but from time to time, there are going to be decisions and you want to have that protected. So I think the conversation is finally starting to happen where normal Americans are realizing, you know what? It shouldn't just be, well, I don't have anything to hide. If the president of the United States and his campaign can be spied on using secret courts, we're all in trouble. We're, we're all in danger. And so I'm actually, I don't want to use the word excited, but I am optimistic that we are seeing a a turn in the tide in this country. It's taken a lot of time that people are starting to push back against this idea that the government should be able to spy on the bad guys. Now we're saying, who gets to decide who the bad guys are? We don't want any government to to make that decision. Get a warrant. Yeah. So... Uh, the reauthorization bill comes before the Senate, and I was going to kind of start from the, the amendment that passed and then kind of go down to the Rand Paul's, which was the third one that got the least amount of support. So the first one, uh, the one that passed was uh, one by Senator Mike Lee and Patrick Leahy. And so they were having kind of a bipartisan, one Republican, one Democrat, author these uh, amendments to the process. And this was um, regarding, I think it's an amicus curiae, but I might be, I'm not correct. Right. So That's correct. amicus curiae in the FISA court, um, their role is to advocate on behalf of privacy and civil liberties. So this was a process that was set up, um, I believe in 2015, but we basically found out that like these people never do anything. <laughs> okay. So it's like, Hey, there should be these people that advocate for civil liberties of Americans throughout the FISA court process. So then lo and behold, we're four years down the road and uh, this guy didn't show up to work. Okay. He's been like quarantined for the last four years. And so um, they've been, uh, he, he's, they just said the guy had Ebola. He doesn't show up to work and, and he never asked any questions. So Mike Lee had some processes uh, and, and in his amendment, just to kind of, I guess, further infuse that particular portion of the FISA court process with power, okay? Um, and so that passed, right? It passed uh, by a 77 to 19 vote, um, but Ted Cruz voted for it, John Cornyn voted against it. So when it comes to uh, Republicans that even when it, co- even on this one, I mean, this is a 77 to 19 vote, right? So if you're amongst the Republicans who are saying, no, I don't think we should empower any part of the FISA court that wants to protect the civil liberties. What would what do you think is the rationale behind that position? Well, it should alarm a lot of Texans, um, yeah. to, to be frank. I think anybody that voted against this, including John Cornyn, um, it's just weak sauce to me. Uh, this, you know, I, I'm I'm about to I'm about to bash it. And like you said, I mean, this Samukius uh, Cure, uh, meaning friend of the court. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, is it a good thing? Sure. It's, it's a, it's a move in the right direction, but it's one of those where it's like, if you can't even support that, I think you're totally missing the boat. Yeah. So the, the, 
the rationale, I guess, if, if I'm John Cornyn or one of these folks uh, voting against this, is it's always this line, well, we need to give the officials in government the power and the tools to be able to do their job. Mm-hmm. Every single, I mean, when they put out some of the um, these reports on their success, and like you said, this amicus curiae, the actual effectiveness of it, and if the person's even showing up to do their job, this to me was an easy vote. But I think it once again goes back to those ideas that you have to give all these unlimited tools and power to government and you kind of sidestep the Fourth Amendment because you think, well, do we really need this amicus curiae? You know, do we really understand this, Luke, when people go into these FISA courts, okay, imagine going into a court where there's only one side represented. And I don't mean that like I'm some you know, conspiracy theorist, like this is documented. You yeah. go into the FISA court, the government gets to present their case, yeah. and then nobody rebuts it. So this amicus curiae just gives the opportunity, and, and there's a lot of debate because the judge could say, oh, it's not needed in this case, and yeah. this is why I'm calling it weak sauce. This is why John Cornyn should have been on the side of Ted Cruz and should have supported this, yeah. because it's about trusting we the people and the process and privacy of we the people versus trusting government. And what surprises me about John Cornyn is, look, they just used this against the president of your party. Yes. No. So how you can't you can't even justify it as some sort of partisan vote. I mean, over 75 people voted for it. This was a bipartisan, simple reform moving the right direction. So I don't know how John Cornyn could get that rationale other than he hasn't learned the lessons of when you empower government, it's not going to go well for we the people or heck the president of the United States that happens to be in your own party. So I'm, I'm not quite seeing the consistency there. Yeah, uh, I feel like with some people, and this goes back to, I guess, one of our motivations behind electing more and more fresh blood within the Republican Party, because what I often see is that the longer that a lawmaker is a lawmaker, right? And, and uh, you know, Cornyn's a good example of somebody who started as a judge and then served on the Supreme Court and then was the attorney general and now is a U.S. senator. And they've spent so much time within these institutions that they just can't not trust the institutions, right? And in their mind, it's like, no, 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 no. These are the good people. They can be trusted. Because to your point, we know that they abused it in order to spy against the president of the United States let alone having used it to spy against pretty much everybody they've ever spied against. You know, and, and they have set up a system, and that gets into the other amendments too, because they've set up a system that can monitor Americans, citizens, non-citizens alike, whoever they want to monitor, and they've got a special court system set up that has very little accountability. And to your point, all this amendment was doing, which good thing it passed, was just saying, you're not representing Luke Macias, who they're trying to spy on. You're just kind of like there as, as a general person to say, hey, maybe this is a little too far. I'm not representing him. I'm not his attorney, but uh, here's the other side. So the, the next amendment was the more controversial one. And I, it's the one that kind of got all the headlines because um, it was uh, an amendment by Ron Wyden and Steve Daines, which was um, aimed at focusing in the process to to make it clear that in order to go after someone's internet search history, you needed a warrant, right? And so this is generally, this is probable cause, right? It's saying, hey, 
I might have reasonable suspicion to believe that Cliff doing a ton of flying around and happens to like gallivant to Afghanistan on a regular basis. Maybe we should try to figure out if he's been searching like a fertilizer bombs or something. And so now I can go to the court system. But right now, based on the way it's been interpreted, they have access to whatever they want from us, whether they have a warrant or not. Right. And this amendment was to try to specify the fact that their internet search history is available, but you can access it in the case of a warrant. And so uh, you obtain a warrant and that failed by one vote, right? 59 and uh, votes, which is also goes back to the importance of every single election, right? One of these other US Senate elections out there, if it had gone somewhere different, if YAL had been around and been canvassing doors like crazy, uh, then maybe something would have gone a different way. And this vote could have fundamentally changed the direction of this privacy issue. So every vote matters. Uh, and then the last vote, because I want to talk about it real quick, was the one that Rand Paul authored. And uh, I'm grateful that Ted Cruz voted for this one. He was one of only 11 votes. So this one talks about, this is really the fundamental. So there's some optimism. But all Rand Paul said is, hey, I would like to take us spying on American citizens, and I'd like to move that into the federal court system. Okay, so we're going to use these FISCs to look at non-American citizens, but I'm really concerned about due process being respected within um, this. So we're gonna move this into the federal court system. And uh, and Cruz voted for that, Cornyn did not vote for it. Um, my question on some of these issues too is, you know, in Texas, we just had an election two years ago that surprised a lot of people with how close it was, right? I mean, Ted Cruz won by less than 3% of the vote against Beto O'Rourke. It was just over 200,000 votes that he won in an entire state that had 8.3 million votes. And so we are in a place in Texas where every single vote matters. And uh, Beto is absolutely crushed Ted within younger voters. Like we know that and Democrats have always done better with younger voters. When it comes to issues that we're gonna to try to appeal to younger voters on, and the fact that John Cornyn is at the top of the ticket right underneath Donald Trump in Texas, uh, it concerns me that Republicans don't realize that this is actually an issue that matters in November. So maybe talk a little bit about that since you and I are both heavy on the campaign side and actually care about the right person getting elected, but I'm concerned that these type of votes and the signals that they send make it a lot harder for you and I to motivate a bunch of young people to get behind uh, even down ballot Republicans who are good liberty minded individuals. What do you think? I think the greatest untapped potential that we have at trying to elect liberty Republicans is civil liberties. I think so many times we're missing the boat that civil liberties are going to connect with young people. They're going to connect with all these people that don't trust the institution. They're going to connect with so many people that see what they did to President Trump, what they did to his campaign. And I do. I think it's a major mistake for us to not focus in and realize that this is we the people versus the institution. Where do you think history will side? Look at these two last amendments, right, that we just discussed. Yeah. Is history going to side with the senators who said the government should be standing over your shoulder looking at your Google search history? Or is it going to side with somebody like Rand Paul? And I hate that this is even controversial. Rand Paul is a patriot. He's just standing up and he's saying, listen, uh, we're talking a lot here and there's a lot of things being said, but it's all gobbledygook. Why don't we just go with the Fourth Amendment? Why don't we require somebody to get a warrant? Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, parties adapt. 
policies adapt, you know, leaders follow polls. Yep. And I think polls, you know, obviously are representing uh, the, the interests and, and what the voters are looking for. And I think this is one of those issues where we do have a chance to get ahead on civil liberties. We have a chance to lead on this. And I was hoping that this uh, incident with the president's campaign would kind of push the partisan aside and tell Republicans, listen, it's safe to go against the institution, right? We, the people, the voters, they are going to be okay with you saying, we don't want to keep giving power to these corrupt institutions. But I think it is one of the most underappreciated or underutilized campaign uh, topic. And look, I'm not saying that people have to talk about FISA uh, and, and go into the wonkiness of these issues on the campaign trail. But I think going after the corrupt institutions that are pretty much in, in, in so many of these federal government agencies, especially within the intelligence community. I mean, gosh, for everybody out there, go read Edward Snowden's book, Permanent Record. Do not listen to what you've heard about Edward Snowden. Go read Permanent Record. I was a, I was cynical and I was kind of, oh, well, he put people in harm's way. That's bull crap. Go read the book. And when you see what all of these intelligence agencies are doing, people like us that are always pushing for limited government and trying to rein it in, I think it is one of the biggest battles. But Luke, you are 100% correct. It also presents an opportunity for us to go out and talk about how corrupt these institutions are and why we need to limit them, why we need to limit their power, why we need to limit their funding. Not because we are boogeymen or we want to, you know, uh, hurt the, 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 the poor or those that need help in this country, but because we are trying to represent the weakest among us, those that are, that are most vulnerable. And when you have a corrupt government that has the ability to do this, I think we need to speak out and it is absolutely a campaign issue that could help our people get elected. You know, uh, no, first of all, Cliff, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about this. I uh, want to have you on for some additional conversations regarding these different issues that I think come up uh, that affect our liberties. You know, we, in a very small way, you kind of see that with uh, Shelly Luther, who in Dallas was arrested for opening her salon, right? And because she's somebody who can afford to pay an attorney and, and actually be more engaged in this process, she was able to basically, uh, you know, publicize this entire process, uh, which ended up getting her out of jail. But what we saw was there, there were two Laredo um, uh, cosmetologists who were cutting hair in people's homes and were arrested and put into jail as well. And they weren't as fortunate as her. They weren't as well positioned. They didn't have even probably the basic finances to hire an attorney. And so they're there stuck in jail until her story gets brought to light. And now all of a sudden it's an issue and they also get released. But it's kind of that same reality that you're saying, which is, okay, if the president's rights are abused, it's going to come to light and we're going to make an issue of it. But that means that there's a ton of Americans whose rights were abused who we don't know about. And we won't know about unless you fundamentally reform the system. So anyways, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking about this. And uh, I think our internet connection is getting a teeny bit weird here at the very end. So I just want to make sure to end this recording while we still can. And uh, thank you so much. I know you're at the airport and are going to fly off uh, and travel. So thank you for continuing to fight for the advancement and preservation of liberty. Um, I don't know if we're preserving liberty. We need to like expand it because it's not it's not there. So like we can't preserve. We need to like grow it. But anyways, thank you, Cliff, for doing everything that you're doing. And thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it, Luke. Thanks for being a patriot. We'll talk soon. Hey, thanks, bud. 
And there we have it. Uh, so if you're a student, uh, please reach out to Young Americans for Liberty listening to this. You know, in Texas, I think students have the opportunity. They have a great organization in Young Conservatives of Texas, which is another state uh, college chapter organization. So if you're a college student in Texas or you know a conservative college student in Texas, tell them to reach out to Young Conservatives of Texas and Young Americans for Liberty and try to engage with their local chapters and figure out how they can get more involved in the process. I think it's really important that uh, we continue to engage the young students we do have that are willing to uh, just engage on our issues and and get them as involved as possible. Um, yeah, I'm a little concerned, as you heard in that conversation. I think it's a bad message for Republicans to be sending to younger voters that uh, we don't respect your privacy. You know, we don't agree with the youth vote on many things as a Republican party. And some of that's natural. In fact, it's just the way things go. Winston Churchill, there's a couple people that said this, Mark Twain and Winston Churchill might've both said it for all I know. But uh, Winston Churchill, I believe said, if you're not a liberal, when you're young, you don't have a heart. And if you're not a conservative, by the time you're old, then you don't have a brain. Um, and it's really, uh, I'm sorry for those of you who are older and liberal, it's not meant as a direct insult, but it's also to talk about just the natural human nature that exists within us and how it works. And so when you're younger, you tend to not value any of the institutions that exist within society or any of the rules or the norms or anything like that. And so it's much easier for you to have a more progressive mindset, which is one that says kind of throw the old out in with the new. And a conservative individual naturally says, hey, what about what we currently have is worth keeping and how do we make changes slowly and in a way that actually makes us better off? Okay, because if we just rapidly change, we are likely to destroy a lot of society. That's kind of the fundamental differences, which means that with young people, they're naturally inclined to a more progressive bent, which means that if you're the Republican Party of Texas or if you're one of the top Republican lawmakers like John Cornyn, you should not be sending a message to young people that you're so out of touch with their fundamental ideas of privacy. Now, let's separate it. Because we shouldn't just make decisions based on what's politically most advantageous. In fact, I don't mind taking a vote. I don't mind a lawmaker taking a vote that is not going to be super popular amongst certain groups of people. You know, we actually talk about the fact that often some of our lawmakers care far too much about what uh, one set of suburban women think. And they somehow seem to rule the policy decisions within our state. So I don't want to do that. Um, but they seem to care a lot about politics unless it comes to... Uh, hey, this vote in particular that would protect and preserve the liberties of Americans would also be politically advantageous for you. And then all of a sudden, they're actually willing to stand on principle. But then when it comes to uh, a bad policy, they will cave in an effort to please or appease certain swing voters that they see. So it's very disappointing. Um, I've said often, but I do believe that Republicans believe in self-government. Conservatives believe in self-government. So it's important for us to self Govern. You know, what often happens in today's political environment is that conservative and Republican speakers, commentators, podca podcast show hosts, heads of organizations, lawmakers, they all just tell you how bad Democrats are. And they tell you how crazy these people are. And then Democrats, podcast show hosts, political commentators, political consultants, elected officials, candidates tell you how bad the other side is. And we've actually start we need to start owning our own insufficiencies. We need to start owning our own issues. We'll do a lot better job 
if we focus on what we as a party can do better, not what the other party is doing wrong. And that's why I'm willing to have these conversations about our own senator, who's even up for re-election this time, and I really wish was doing a better job helping Texans and conservatives become excited about his re-election in November, because the message that I'm not a Democrat will only go so far. So John Cornyn, I hope and pray that you will reassess your positions and uh, begin to really reconsider uh, what message you're going to bring to Texans in your re-election between now and November. I hope you all have a blessed week. See you later. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit lukemessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.